Hey there, and welcome to Courageous Radiance Podcast. My name is Brittany Dixon, and I am so thankful that you are tuning in and joining today. This is a podcast place for women to be equipped and encouraged to remain courageously anchored, anchored in Jesus Christ, because friends, that's how we thrive. That's that's how we become the better version, the, the God version that he has for us and for his kingdom. And we do that by reading the word of God, by remaining in this connected relationship with him. And this is that podcast place that's really here to cheer you on in your everyday life of doing that. So I'm so thankful that you have joined as we are top of the month talking this whole month forward really about belief. Last month for January, we talked about peace. Well, this month is belief. And there's some things that the Lord is showing me and that the Lord is working in me. And I am simply a pointer, my friend. I am. I want to point as Jesus is pointing me. And there's some things that he is convicting me of, that he's correcting me of, and it all is centered on the underneath waterline of, Brittany, what do you believe? So I'm going to ask you without knowing your direct name, I'm going to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? So specifically where I'm getting the scripture from is um, from Jesus himself in Mark eight twenty nine. He's talking to his disciples and he had asked a form a prior question before this question to pulse and first off let's let's start here when jesus asks a question he already knows the answer but he was pulse checking for them to to critically think who others were saying jesus was because that's that's what he asked he said who do who do they say i am and then to that answer, you know, it was, well, some say Elijah, some say um, the prophets, other prophets, etc. Well, then he finishes and, and um, he has a question to their answer in Mark 8, 29. It says, but you, who do you say that I am? So this whole month, we're going to really go back to that question, as well as the application of Second Corinthians thirteen five, and that is examining our hearts, and not just because we're these these you know amazing examiners, but this is through the lens and the help of the Holy Spirit, because our hearts in of themselves are are wicked. They're you know we we're deceived. Jeremiah seventeen talks about. So we want to do this with the correct tools to really examine in a healthy way what we're building our lives on, what is possibly preventing our lives from moving forward in the direction that we really want to be moving. You know, it's it's the beginning of the year and it's all these things that we have our eyes set on. And I don't know how your year is going. Are you moving in the direction of what you thought? You know, I can't even believe it's already February. Or are you looking at some things on paper like, I didn't even get started. I'm not even doing this well, right? And I am hypercritical of myself and I come with 22 things to do, knowing that I should probably only really start with two. So I have this bad tendency to really go to the 18th power. And Jesus has really slowed me down 
to really um, point out some things that I was that I need to be looking at first. So just like last month, we talked, um, we used um, one of the Pete and Jerry Scazzaro's emotionally healthy discipleship, one of their axioms of being with Jesus verse before we're doing for Jesus as we really apply that to peace. Well, this month, the, the eighth axiom of emotionally healthy discipleship is disrupting false peace to create or to have true peace. And in order to disrupt what's this false peace, we need to we need to go below waterline, y'all. We're, we're going to have to go into some dark, deep places and look at some things that we didn't know were there at all or that we are pretending aren't there. And we're going to bring them out. Um, before I get going too much more in this, I want to pray. And then I'm excited to really see what the Bible has to say about this. God, thank you so much for peace. Thank you, God, so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your compassion, which covers everything that we fail at, God. So even as um, the Holy Spirit brings things to our, our knowledge of what we need to work on, God, I pray that it falls on good soil. I pray that um, the listener, the um, woman, God, who is is tuning in today is encouraged and not condemned. And may you get all of the glory, be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, examining your heart, examining your heart to figure out what you believe. So about a year ago or so, um, and I'll put this on the website, on the blog, which which is at CourageousRadiance.com. I'd love for you to subscribe, get some um tools, some equipping tools, some thriving tools every single week, and then every single month as well, um, just to connect with you there. But if you head to the blog, um, I will refer, I'll link to the exact podcast that I talked about, John Ortberg's uh, core level belief system or faith system. And what he pointed out is like these circles, um, these three levels of circles on the most outer ring is your public faith. And then the next ring step down in is your private faith. And then the most inner is your core faith. Jesus, y'all, was always after the core level faith, the core belief of, of why you think, what makes you tick, why you're acting the way you are. Um, and it's so important for us to remember that because for me, what it does specifically is when situations come into my life, then I, and I don't do this perfectly, but where I need to go pretty quickly is, God, what are you trying to show me? What, what, what could you be showing me right now? And it's not like I just, you know, put a quarter into that, into this question, you know, genie box and I just get an, uh, you know, immediate answer. A lot of times it just causes me just to sit in his presence without any answers for weeks and weeks and weeks. But, um, I might leave with some impressions, right? Or sometimes I do have answers, but either way, it's really this concept of Matthew six thirty three where we're seeking first the kingdom of God. So we want to first see God and see what he says about the things of our life, what he is leading us to believe, and then we act after that. 
Because again, we're wanting to disrupt this false peace to, in order to have true peace in our lives. So when you think of belief, what do you believe to answer Jesus's question, really, Mark 8, 29, what, who do you believe Jesus is? And even before you answer that, just some things that you might not think about, but that you might be altering your life. Um, if you smoke or if you don't smoke, and nowadays just in this nursing world, you got to ask like 18 lesser questions to that smoke question. Cause there's so many ways you can smoke now. Right. Um, especially this whole big thing about vaping. Um, but if you do, or you don't, why do you, and why don't you, what do you believe is happening at the cellular level of your heart at the alveolar level of your lungs? What do you believe about your health tied to your cig- your cigars or your cigarettes. And this is no judgment. This is just let's let's put everything on the table, right? Um if you drink water, why do you drink water? Is it just tasty or do you have your kidneys in mind? If you do or do not drink alcohol, are you thinking about your liver or is it just, you know, well it'll be okay when I flush it down with water? What choices are you making? Like, what do you truly believe that by doing this, this will happen? Or on the opposite side, do you do this because you don't believe? Maybe you have been smoking for 60 years and you still don't have lung cancer or you're totally fine, healthy-wise. You're like, see, ain't nothing going to happen to me, right? So where do you land on your belief about Jesus? Who is he to you? You know, when I'm just in this whole um, working out still phase, and I don't want this just to be, I'm just going to work out amazing for the first few months. And I want this to be a lifestyle. And I had to really shape and shift my thinking about working out to not be number specific on a scale, especially being in my 40s, because that can mean absolutely nothing. Okay. My primary care doctor was like, you need resistance training. You need weightlifting. My really good friend was like, yes, Brittany, you have to be doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And she has just changed my whole life. I actually really like doing Pilates now because of her. But anywho, um, I don't want to be weight scale number focused that's not why I'm choosing a lifestyle change. I mean, that's that's sprinkles. That that would be great. But I'm thinking of holistic health. I'm thinking of total person health, not just I want the scale to say what it said to me in college. Like that is just not even really realistic, right? Um, because you might be on this on this you know treadmill to get the specific weight number. And then after three months and you actually have gained weight because you lift into, right? And now you have some muscle mass, which weighs more than fat. And you're like, oh, psh, I'm not doing any because this is not making any difference. It's wasting time. It's wasting money, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't see any benefit, right? So really assessing the why, because if not, then you're not going to be committed because is believing really believing without commitment. And it's not like even the Bible. So let's let's look what James 2.19 says. He says, um, 
specifically, he's talking about um, faith and works. And, um, you know, Paul says that we're saved by grace through faith, which is true, like period with a T. P-E-R-I-O-D-T, period. You are saved by grace through faith alone. So what James is saying is not to undo what Paul said, but James is like, you see my grace through faith in Jesus by what I'm doing. So he's talking about without works, your faith is dead. So um, James 2.19 says, you believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. So they know who God is. They're even like, ooh, scared. But then they don't change. There's no transform. There, there's no transformation to belief going to belief in action. And that's very critical as we think about what do we think about God? Do you know some major qualities and characteristics of God? Do you know that God is omniscient, which means he knows everything? Do you know that God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. Do you know that God is omnipotent, which means he's all powerful. God is also all sufficient. He's perfect. He's faithful. He's true. He's just, he's compassionate. He's loving. He's graceful. He's holy. There's so many things about God, not just I do this and then God is going to give me this. I don't do this and God is going to be mad and God is going to do this. So what do you really believe about God? Because when your life hits some bedrocks, when life happens, as, as Jesus talks about in John 16, 33, I mean, listen, he didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it. He said, you're going to have trouble. And all of our trouble is specific and unique. And some people might appear to have more trouble, etc. But when you hit bedrocks and when life happens, we will fall away from God in our everyday or even just all in, in, in total if we don't truly and rightly examine what we believe about God. So all this other stuff we're doing, this showing up at church, you know, uh, serving halfway, reading our Bible, etc. Is this is this out of a heart level soil of I really believe this and I'm really going to stick to this no matter what. God, how dare you take away all my money, my job, my husband left me. I lost this family member. I was um I had an extremely traumatic childhood. List the things. Put it all out in your quiet time with God. Whatever it is, whatever beef it is that you have with God, he has shoulders enough to to bear it. So whatever it is that you think you believe or, or that has happened to you, it is directly affecting your ability to be connected to God. Because God also says, and we know what happens, the, the demons know who God is, but don't change. Well, God says... Well, this is Paul writing it in Hebrews, but Paul says in, in Hebrews 11, 6, that without faith, meaning without belief, it's impossible to please God. Like you just cannot. And also he talks about, and, and this again, it's all on the, on the website, um, courageousradiance.com. It's podcast show notes, but it's interesting because Paul also refers in, in the third chapter of Hebrews 
um, about the Israelites and how they couldn't enter into the promised land because God was so angry that his anger burned against them because they did not believe. They didn't believe and their unbelief kept them in the wilderness and they didn't get to go to the promised land. So our unbelief, likewise, parallel, is blocking our passageway into new promises and provisions and peace. And we don't even know it. And we can be like all the way 100% saved, saved, going to heaven, but be rendered fruitless here and not be in alignment with God here, not be um, walking in obedience here but just doing the surface level things, the private faith level things as John Orberg talks about. And y'all, this is huge because if we don't truly rightly examine this, our, our belief, our faith system, then we won't have this belief moving forward, this belief in action. And without belief in action, there's, there's no hope. And without hope, there's no peace. And without peace, y'all, we're not gonna thrive. We're, we're going to be stuck because of the hardness at the end of the day, you know, Christianese word, but because of our, our resilience to our stubbornness, our unwillingness to be softened and surrender and submit to God. You know, Jesus fed, um, and this is Mark 8, he was dealing, talking with his disciples. It's interesting because these jokers were with him, like with, with all the miracles, all, all, they saw it all, right? They, they rolled with him. And even, even with all of the evidence of who Jesus is as Messiah, as God, they still had heart hardness. Jesus talks about this in Mark 8, um, 17. So he fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000. Well, after the 4,000, these jokers are on the boat with him and Um, I don't remember exactly which one said, um, or even if they noted who said, you know, we don't have food. I think they were just, yes, they were just talking, I think amongst themselves. And of course, Jesus already knows what they're saying because he's Jesus. And, you know, this is, this is me inserting not, this is not Bible, but I almost like hear Jesus being like, really, really, you're worried about not having bread and I am the bread. I just fed 4,000 people plus, and you have the audacity to wonder how you going to be fed. Like, this is what we going to do. So this is, this is almost like what I feel like he does for me, where it's like, Brittany, really, really? Like, you still just don't get it. Just the hardness, the unwillingness, the veil over your eyes. Stop it. And this this level of sin y'all is like not seen and and quite frankly um it can even be applauded in this new day and age because for me what that shows up and looks like is me the researcher me the you know it almost looks like a strength because i'm super cautious you know i play it safe I don't want to go over here and do too much, right? I don't want to try nothing new. I don't, and I don't want to do. And, but then I might, I not might, I will miss when God is telling me to go because I'm over here trying to research the 18 reasons why not to go. Likewise, I'll miss having a seat because 
the other 22 people told me not to have a seat. So I got to assess and do all these, you know, uh, examinations of their opinion versus being obedient by faith, period. You know, the, when you think about obedience, it's so hard, y'all. It's such an easy word to say and so hard. Obedience, like this little morsel of obedience, like ounces of, of, of obedience to me is equal to pounds of theology, and, and, you know, Samuel talks about this in 1 Samuel 15 with Saul, that he chose Saul, King Saul chose the wrong thing. He chose sacrifice of something based on what he felt was right to sacrifice versus just being faithfully obedient to what God said to do. So going back to this question that I asked, but who do you say that Jesus is? Y'all were disrupting some false peace to create or have real peace. Do you really believe Jesus Christ is who he says he is? Do you? Do you really believe that he is God in the flesh? John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. Do you really believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of all of your sins? 1 Corinthians 15, 3. And this will all be on the website. Jesus, do you really believe that Jesus is was was and still remains to be the only sufficient sacrifice and payment for your sins. John 14, 6. Because to me, believing is acknowledging. I wrote trusting and it's confiding. And I put an arrow here to its rest. So it's not just the head knowledge of believing that Jesus is these things. It is, but it's that also in the action of taking a seat, of resting, of acknowledging, of trusting that he is my savior. He's my God, but he's also the Lord of the specific areas that he's asking me to to open up my hand to. So friend, I don't know where that applies to you. I pray that this episode is encouraging yet challenging for you in your quiet time. I always talk about that at the end, that you take this and you skim this through your Bible with your time with Jesus, because I am a pointer. I am a pointer to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And y'all, he loves you so much. And why keep wrestling? Like, this is literally the question I have for myself. Why keep wrestling when Jesus has really laid out what I need to do and I need to believe? So who do you say he is? I pray this has truly encouraged you, friend, as you enjoy the rest of this week ahead. And I can't wait to see you here next week.